to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sugar Coated Podcast. I am very excited today to welcome my guests, Sophie Warwick and Jillian Climey, uh, both co-founders of The Thoughtful Company. You both are so inspiring to me, and I know that you will be to so many of the women that listen into the Sugar Coated Podcast and that are part of the She Leads Media community. Uh, We talk so much in our community about advocating for ourselves, knowing our worth, knowing our value. And your company, I guess, set out to really help women to understand what it is they're worth and advocate for that and get paid what they deserve. Um, So I just want to welcome the both of you to the Sugar Coated Podcast today. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. (laughs) Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how you got started? What prompted you to start this company together? Yeah, absolutely. I can jump in first. Um, we we both come from different backgrounds, so I'll let Jill speak to hers. But my background's in structural engineering and working in that field, I found it often difficult to connect with other women for peer support and for mentorship. And so... That led me to, at the companies I was working at, co-found and chair their employee resource groups, so their teams that work to improve gender equity at the workplace. And wanting to take that further in 2018, I co-founded the nonprofit Women in Consulting Engineering, or WCE Vancouver, which is a community that meets regularly to build community for women working in the engineering space. But after passing on the torch in that endeavor, It was exciting to see it continue growing, but I was still feeling that push to continue the work in the gender equity space and recognizing that so many women I met in that world were still doing this type of work on the sides of their desks and maybe not getting this headspace that they needed or the support to actually make real changes because they're doing it on top of a full-time job. So that's when I got together with Jill to use those skills to help improve gender equity of more workplaces, recognizing that engineering isn't the only male-dominated industry and that a lot of different industries are still very male-dominated, but also often lack representation at a senior level. And so often it's kind of put on the wayside and not don't have the resources available to really work on that in a meaningful way. Hmm. Jillian? Yeah. So I had a bit of a different career path. I was in executive compensation So started off in consulting, essentially helping board of directors determine how to pay their top executive teams. 
So a lot of salary and bonus, but more longer term equity design like stock options, RSUs, and how do you link that to shareholder value and all that kind of stuff. And then after consulting, I led compensation in-house at Aritzia, which is a Canadian retailer. And then most recently was at Lululemon, where I led global executive and equity compensation. And yeah, I just kind of found myself on the other side of the negotiating table my, my full career and saw so many successful, intelligent, amazing women not negotiating their compensation at really key points in their career from all levels, junior to senior executive. And I always wanted to do something about it. And uh, I think it's been 10 months now. Eventually got the courage to do so. So uh, left Lululemon and Sophie and I, it actually kind of started out as a blog, The Thoughtful Co. And we really wanted to write about women in the workplace. And we had very similar views on, you know, gender equity, the pay gap, all these kind of things. And then we realized we do have these niche skill sets where we can really actually help women make a change in their lives. So it was very organic growth, but we're, yeah, we're really excited to be here 10 months in now. Well, I I really admire what it is that you're doing. And I do think that it's a really interesting combination coming out of, you know, a very male dominated industry and then being on that other side of the negotiation table, like you said, one of the questions that sort of pops up in my mind is, you know, having, you know, a woman on the compensation committee makes me think that the compensation would be looked at from a more equal perspective. But it, it seems that there's something else going on. And I'd love to understand that a little bit more because if there's a compensation committee that's kind of looking at, you know, how do you set compensation for different executives? How do you incent them? All that kind of stuff. You know, why is it then that that committee then compensates maybe a, a man better than a woman? Is it truly in the negotiation? Yeah, I love that you brought that up. I've actually never got that question before. And I think compensation committees, boards in general, we're moving to such a better place where we have some, you know, at least there's usually a few women on the board. We're not quite at 50-50, but there's an understanding we need women in different perspectives. And I think what I believe and after working in-house at companies and consulting different companies is most boards try to pay their people fairly. Most compensation committees do try to. It's just we all have inherent bias. So, you know, I'm biased, you're biased, Sophie's biased, and we are more likely to hire people that are like us. We're more likely to compensate people higher that have skill sets that we have or we really resonate with. And so I think, you know, if you're, we do need force correcting of our biases within compensation committees. And I think there's more of an understanding of that, but it's actually really hard to get it right in practice, especially Mm -hmm. at an executive level, because there's such individual roles that it's sometimes hard to compare, you know, do a full gender equity analysis on it. But I will say, I think, I believe, like, in the data with the gender pay gap, there is this, there is this kind of gap in the data where they don't know where it comes from. Like, some we know is parental leave, more women take time off, and then they're behind the eight ball coming back. Women start off a little bit lower, but there is this gap in the data where they don't know why the gender pay gap exists. And I do believe that negotiation is a big piece of that. Mm-hmm. So often, if you don't ask for something, you're not going to get it at any level. And, and that's true at, at an executive level. And the, the dollars are just so much bigger when you're at that level. So I do think yeah. that negotiation does really impact. And I, I started to see that and I realized there, you know, there's no one really supporting women 
in a in a non-biased way. Like there's executive recruiters, but you, they're usually hired by the company and are compensated by the company. And so I kind of saw that gap and thought, okay, this can actually have a real impact on hopefully closing that gender pay gap. Yeah. So I guess at any level, and, and maybe there's a difference, but what would you say is the first thing that, you know, if we're, we're talking right now about women who are in corporate, mm-hmm. right, where there, there are compensation committees and things like that. We're not so much talking about, you know, the small business and how to have clients pay you more. So women that are in the situation of corporate, they're sort of rising through the ranks, uh, doing all the right things. And then they're, you know, they go for a certain position and they're, they're offered, you know, a compensation package. What do you suggest would be like the first thing that they do in a way, it's almost like I would think that it would start even before you sort of go for the role, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you set yourself up and differentiate yourself so that when it does come to the negotiations, that you know that you have leverage somehow? Yeah, I think that's a great a great point before it even gets to that stage. And I think the most interesting thing that I've seen since starting this kind of individual compensation negotiation work is the commonalities between... of my clients, they say the same things to me, whether it's a new university grad or a C-suite executive at a big public company. And they say, I just wanted to prove myself first, or I just felt lucky to get the job. And it's like, why do we all like, it's been so interesting to see, you know, we hear about these biases, but actually hear the same things coming out of all these different people's mouths. It's crazy. So I think really first understanding your value and knowing your worth and being able to articulate it. I think that's valuable in any aspect of your life. But if you, you know, no one's going to spend all their time advocating for you. You need to do that for yourself and you need to know what your unique value is that no one else can do in the company or as a coach or whatever role you're in. And you need to be able to articulate that and you need to feel confident in it as well. I think there is this kind of imposter syndrome aspect that a lot of women just feel like they kind of happen to get to where they are by chance when it's no, you've worked so hard, you add so much value and you deserve to be there. I just was helping a client last week who got a job offer for um, a senior role at a tech startup. And she said, I don't think I'm qualified for this. I don't know if I can, if I can uh, sign on. And I said, you already got the offer. <laughs> like you, you are 100% <laughs> qualified, you, you know? And it's so weird that we have this, before we even get to compensation, we have this like, you know, we're like, we shouldn't even be here. So, yeah. so knowing your value, which is easier said than done, is yeah. so important. And, but also I think when women talk about it and realize they all feel this way, then you start to notice like, oh, it's not about me. It's about, I've, you know, subconsciously internalized these different things throughout my life where, uh, where I feel this way. Now, do you see this uncertainty in all industries or is this like in the male dominated industries like engineering and tech and, and all of it? Or, or is it that it's uh, more, prevalent, I would say, like in a male-dominated industry where it's more difficult for women to negotiate. Yeah, it was just, Sophie and I were helping someone in healthcare, which is traditionally a, a you know, a very more female-dominated. And even she was saying the same thing. Sophie, I don't know if you had similar, similar thoughts on that. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think there's a piece that aggravates that experience when you look different to the people that are hiring you, that are, you're negotiating with, 
and whatever that is. And so if it's very male dominated, then I think there is, we often hear more likely, thanks for having me because you don't feel that you fit the mold of the people that you're working with. But Mm -hmm. I think it is so prevalent in all circumstances, because even if the industry as a whole isn't necessarily male dominated and you've been kind of coming up through the ranks with a more equal or equitable group at a senior level in most of these instances it is still very male dominated so I think often as Jill was suggesting even women in healthcare are still seeing that because at a senior level uh, a lot of those individuals are still men. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you see the drop-off in women as you rise through the ranks. There's a lot of women middle managers, obviously a lot of women in on entry role positions. We are graduating college at a higher rate than men, so it just makes sense that we're going to be in the workforce in a, in a bigger way. But yeah, you don't see that equality at all at the top. So what are some of the the things that you let women know? Because, you know, I can imagine that you don't want to emulate the men because you're not a man, right? But you have to at least be aware of sort of this game that you're playing and what piece you are in that game. So how do you kind of coach women through this process so that they can maximize their income? Yeah. So I think the only thing, like I believe women work so hard for companies and add so much value. And I've been at Lululemon and Aritzia where it's been a majority of women. And I uh, believe that that's why they are so successful. Um, (laughs) And so I've seen how hard women work and how much value they add and how great they are being authentic in their own leadership. And I don't really believe you have to kind of change anything to play the game other than you need to have confidence in yourself. Like that is the one piece where, and, and I, I've said to women, so you know, I've done like workshops where you need to fake it a bit and then it starts becoming natural. So that's the one piece where I think we could sometimes take more of a lead from men at being confident in ourselves and speaking up for ourselves and advocating for ourselves. And that doesn't always come natural to us. But, but yeah, so if you, I don't know if you have any other points on that, but that's the one kind of piece that I think we can, we can sometimes be better at. I think so too. And I very wholeheartedly agree that we don't need to change anyone needs to change who we are at our core to be successful in our role. I think we all need to be aware of biases and understand how that might impact us as we progress through our career. But the reality is that diversity in all aspects, in personal experience, racial diversity, gender diversity, all a more mixed environment will be more successful because people will have more creative solutions to bring forward. And so knowing what your strengths are, and it sounds funny, but I think a good practice is to start building your own portfolio of your strengths and Mm -hmm. experiences that showcase those as well, because it helps you to show up confidently. And these are my strengths and they might look in some ways different to the people around me, but it shows my unique value relating to the role, which is great now that I have this portfolio when I go to say a compensation negotiation. But it's also a bit of a reminder because it's easy when you're just going day to day to lose that confidence. You're just treading water, you're getting your work done, but it's a bit of a reminder of, I'm providing a lot of value and I'm a very skilled employee. So now I'm also able to show up more confidently to that role. Do you think that things are 
changing, you know, for people who are a little bit younger. I I feel like something that I observe um, and that I love is that younger women seem to have more confidence and are very willing to walk away from a situation that isn't beneficial to them instead of what I was sort of told, like, put your head down, keep working hard, you eventually will get noticed, (laughs) which never happened. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we hear that a lot. Yeah, I think I I definitely think it is. But I think, I guess the one piece, like I I read this article um, a month ago, and it was kind of like, you know, we made, we're making all this change, all this stuff is happening, but kind of like the, the high level metric that we can always look at is board of directors and specifically yeah. chairs of board of directors. And that yeah. hasn't really changed since I've started my career. Yeah, we're talking about yeah. this daily, everyone's, to not sugarcoat this, everyone's, you know, <laughs> like loves what we do and all these things. And, you know, everyone's for um, gender equity, but the numbers haven't changed that much. So that will be like, I hope that changes with the next generation, but that will be the real sign, right? Like who isn't actually in power making the decisions for the biggest companies and bodies in our countries. Yeah. And I think, I think that that goes to almost networking and, and being part of those informal networks that allow some people to navigate through the system in an easier way way than maybe some women have access to. So um, one of the things that I think about all the time is, you know, we have this corporate structure that was, you know, developed after the Industrial Revolution, but it was still designed for this, like, command and control, right? So I'm the leader, you follow, you do what I say, stay in line, don't, you know, don't go too far outside the realm. You can be creative up to a point. And so that that whole entire system and that structure is very difficult for women to navigate because it's not sort of in our nature to, you know, follow that type of style. We have such a different style. So one of the things that I constantly like rolling over my head is like, how can women start successful, profitable corporations that have a different structure from the beginning. And then it would allow women to more naturally rise through the ranks. And I don't know if there's a question in there, but I I just feel like that's a challenge. You know, it's almost like you can negotiate so much and you should, right? Always try to get as much as you possibly can without sacrificing, you know, yourself and and making sure that you're really happy and all of that. But at a certain point, it's like the structure is the brick wall. Right. There is like, I think a really interesting piece of that is this concept of disrupting that structure. And I hear from so many women that I've worked with over the years not being able to find the environment that suits them and moving around trying to seek it. And then ultimately, if possible, leaving and creating that environment. And I think that will happen more as well. And then it will start to disrupt what the norm is because it won't be as much all these, this kind of majority of companies being male dominated and male launched 
and there'll be a little bit more mixing in that. But at the same time, I don't believe that we have to leave to find that. And we're at this kind of critical moment, I think now we were touching on earlier, we're not necessarily seeing that change yet at a board director level, but we are at this moment that I think, I really believe the majority of people are listening and interested. It's just the next step of how do we make the change and how do we make our organization more equitable because people recognize the value they want to, but aren't sure necessarily how to implement changes to make it. So I do think we will see that change more in the next years to come. Yeah. I, you know, from your lips (laughs) to, you know, the New York Stock Exchange. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I'm kind of curious about too is, do you ever work with people and they just can't like do it, right? Like no matter how hard they try or like what they try and, you know, it like blows up in their face or something. I would love to hear like almost a story of frustration and understand what that's about so that we can, as women, try to avoid those things or overcome those challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the most common pitfall I see is just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it putting it off. Mm. And I think, and I saw that a bit in tech, actually, as we've gone through this crazy highs and lows with tech, where I was working with some women, and they just like, we want to find the perfect moment to do it. But there's never any perfect moment to do it. So Mm. and kind of our biggest advice is sooner is better than later, especially Mm. if you're in a place where you're unhappy or frustrated with your compensation. Bring it up at that point so you can have an open and honest conversation with your manager and it's not super emotionally charged and you're not ready to leave. If you are frustrated with your compensation and then wait six months and, you know, are hoping they do something proactively and they haven't, and then you're at this point where you're, you know, in tears over your compensation and so upset, that's not a great, you know, point to be negotiating from. So try to bring it up earlier. Try not to push it off. And... My biggest piece of advice, which is not the most groundbreaking, but just really, really prepare. And we spend Mm -hmm. so much time working so hard for our companies, but we spend almost no time making sure we get the best offer possible. Mm -hmm. So I always tell uh, women I work with, like, take the day off before your negotiation. Sleep in, feel really good, prep, practice, look at all the analysis we've done, if we've done that, you know, role play different scenarios, think about your risk profile, all these different pieces. And when you allocate the time to prep and feel good about what you're saying, nine times out of 10, it's going to go well. Even if it's not the exact outcome you want, you'll feel really good that you've put it all on the table, you've said your piece, and then it's over to your manager or hiring manager to respond. I think just a lack of, like when we're unprepared and we feel nervous and there's time pressure, that's when sometimes they don't go the way that we want them to. Yeah, that's such great advice. I was actually just reading an article because I'm I'm doing this little group right now. Write your book with me. So there's like 10 people. We're all writing a book together, different books, but we're doing it together. And so I was just reading something about dynamics and, and how uh, you can get the most out of like writing workshops. And one of the you know main pieces of advice, which I was like, wow, that's weird, but it, it makes so much sense, is they said, stay hydrated. Like, stay hydrated, 
eat like really healthy because if you're in these situations where you have to intensely focus and write and be creative, if your mind is bogged down with like trying to digest, you know, potato chips, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be at your best. Or if you're dehydrated, you're not going to, your body just doesn't function at its, its best. So I, I love that advice that you just gave. And it's, it's very similar, like be healthy, right? Like do your best, be healthy, be prepared so that no matter what happens, you can, you stand in your power. Totally. And I I love that. One of the things that I'm, I'm wondering is the, the scenario that you just laid out, right? You're, you hear that someone's being compensated at your same level at, you know, 20 grand more per year than, than you're making. And you have the confidence, you say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk to my manager and, and, and see what's happening here. I guess, first things first, like, how do you even ask for a meeting mm-hmm. to talk about this? Like, what are the words that one should use? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot, actually. And I think I like have been being on both sides of it. Like I've been in a compensation team, I've been a manager and now being helping women. I like to always enter, if you're in a company already, enter the conversation with respect. And I think that's when it works best is when there's mutual respect. And going with that, I think just be open about what you want to talk about. Like I get the question, should I not tell them so then they don't have time to prepare and all this stuff. But I think it's better, you know, to just lay it open and say, hey, I'd love to talk about my compensation and performance. Can we take 20 minutes of our one-on-one next week to do that? And then your manager's not blindsided. And, you know, that that tactic usually doesn't work when you're already in a company anyway, because they're going to have time after it. Like there's no offer time pressure, really. So mm-hmm. I like to, you know, be open about it. And um, that way your manager can maybe like look at your compensation before so they know what you get paid, have a little bit of context. And then it's not like you're blindsiding them. And hopefully the conversation will go better because of that. And Mm -hmm. um, really, you should be having quarterly check-ins with your manager on performance and compensation regardless. I think usually it happens once a year. So if if you're not in the cadence of doing that, it should be a part of a manager-employee relationship. It's better if you're open about it. You know, it works better for your manager to know that that you want a bit more compensation than, again, having you leave over it or something like that. So don't feel awkward bringing it up. It's your manager's job to to deal with it. And uh, and yeah, I like to just be open about kind of the conversation. Yeah, like I'm I'm putting myself in back in the corporate days. You know, I I worked in corporate my whole entire career up until about ten years ago, and I used a lot of different um, approaches at, at different times and. You know, I was met with many different responses as well. Everything from your compensation is evaluated once a year. We will talk about it then. Shut down. Mm-hmm. To, uh, oh, I hear you. That's wonderful, but it's just not in the budget. You know, yeah. uh, just keep working hard and we'll see what happens next year. Mm-hmm. I, I think the most power is almost at the beginning of things. So when you're... Uh, you know, going for a promotion or when you're, we're just being hired in. I think once you're there and if you kind of find out that you're not being compensated at the same level as someone else who's in your same role, I think those conversations are very, very difficult to kind of open mm-hmm. 
because you're you're already kind of like in the machine. Yeah. I do think there's more awareness now of just like HR and cultural importance in companies. And especially in the talent market we've seen over the past couple of years, like every company we're working with is struggling to attract and retain really good talent. And because of that, they're more open to conversations. And I think tech is the one industry where it's been like a huge high. Now we're seeing it come off. So there's a bit of up and down there. But other than that, across the board, most companies are having a really hard time attracting and retaining talent. And most companies know the cost of turnover. Not all, but most companies are starting to better understand that. So I think I've I've definitely seen more power from an employee's perspective than I ever have before in my career. So I think that's awesome. But I do, the point you brought up around budget, I think is a really good one because having worked in compensation teams, that sometimes is a real thing. Like your manager might have zero budget right now. But in those cases, it's still great that you brought it up early because hopefully that will have, you know, tweak something in in their mind where they're like, shoot, next time I have budget, I really need to allocate it right away to this person. Whereas you might have not gotten anything. So it's still, even if it's a little bit longer term, it's still important to be bringing it up. And random budget can sometimes come up throughout the year, you know, if there's like certain initiatives um, or retention initiatives. So, so still good to be bringing it up, even if it's not a yes right now. But I do agree, promotions, new job offers, those are the times you really want to practice, prepare, make sure you feel really good about what you're asking for, utilize it, don't just kind of skim over your promotion letter and move on. Like it's a really good opportunity to actually negotiate compensation as well as other things like sabbaticals, parental leave, uh, vacation, uh, severance, non-competes, like everything else. So, Yeah, right. And I think that that's an uh, amazing point as well. There's there's more to a total compensation package than just salary. Sometimes salary, you know, that that is what you need and that you value most at whatever stage of life that you're in. But some of these other things, you know, time off, unlimited sick time, what, whatever, those flexibility, those things can bring such value to one's life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We um, we really like to help people think about the full compensation package, not just salary, including uh, bonus and equity. I'm a huge advocate for getting people to better understand equity. No one understands their equity. Like it's very like there are very few people who understand it well, and you can't negotiate something if you don't understand it. And there mm-hmm. and that's where you can make material wealth from over the long term, right? Like if you get into a startup yeah. and negotiated a few extra percentage, that can be huge amounts over time. So I yeah. really love helping people with equity. And then we do, you know, we have a checklist of all the different other pieces you want to be thinking about from flexibility to severance to non-competes to role scope and title and reporting, like all these other things that you can be be bringing up at that time. It's great to, to look at the full compensation package, not just kind of base salary. This is so incredible. I feel like the both of you are such a, a wealth of information and the fact that you've you've been on the corporate side is it gives me a comfort level that that you know you know exactly what it is that you're talking about and that you were on both sides of the table i i think that that is something very unique and and different and i can see how working with you could you know help so many more women get what they deserve um because i do believe that we do deserve 
more than we've gotten in the past. And hopefully the women that are working with you, maybe the women that are listening, that that we all recognize that there's there's more to get, right? Like you said before, you don't get what you don't ask for. So we really have to to learn how to ask and practice. Is there, you know, beyond all of the resources that you offer and working with you, are there any you know, type of resources or things that you would suggest that people do to just kind of like educate themselves? Because with education, I feel like that's a that's a very big piece of having confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It kind of depends on, on what types. We have resources on equity compensation, which I was just talking about. Definitely, if you're going into tech or if you're going into a role that's director level or above, educate yourself on equity. We have some explainers on stock options, RSUs, PSUs. Carta also has really great resources on startup equity amounts you should kind of be thinking about. So that's that's one piece I definitely would recommend if you're in that space. And then beyond that, I mean, there... I think the biggest thing, and so I don't know if you feel differently, but is really like talking about it with a coach or women peers or mentors. So you can kind of role play scenarios, feel really good about what you're asking for, practice, prepare, and uh, go into that super confident. There's not a lot of like really, really good market data sources, to be totally honest. Mm. There's Alpha is a good one for if you're a woman in tech. Um, you know, Glassdoor, Fishbowl definitely has some good pieces, but it's compensation is so specific to each company and role. So I don't have like a silver bullet market data source to go to, <laughs> but I would say, you know, doing your research, leveraging advisors if you need to help you with the market data piece, it can be really helpful just so you can kind of triangulate where you want to be. Yeah, I think the piece on openness is so important because talking about compensation can be so taboo in some ways because we associate it so much with our individual value versus just a component of our value. And so I think preparing for being open about compensation, understand what your needs are and what your wants are and what your five-year plan looks like for you. Ideally, if you could say what you know numbers you would like to be making to meet your lifestyle needs, then recognize that that may look different for the people around you. And I think having that as a baseline, then start being very open with the people around you, whether it's friends, whether it's colleagues or peers in your industry. So you can start understanding what other people are making, what options are there, pivots you could make that are more profitable. And then I think if you've already done that sort of internal work, it makes it easier. So if you hear you know, a much higher number, it's not such a shock because you've already said, you know, I'm, I want to need to be in this range. So it's okay if there's people around me making more, or if I hear that and I think I'm absolutely edgeable eligible to make that as well, then, you know, what work do I need to do? What can, what career shifts can I make as well? And I think that's an education piece as well, understanding what people around you are making, what options are available to you and being less afraid to share compensation because it's a piece of what makes you who you are, but it's not everything. It's not to be all and end all. Compensation doesn't define your value as an individual. That's such an important message. I, I do think that we get very wrapped up with our equating our personal value with the the salary that we make. 
and I think society kind of sets us up to do that. Um, so I, I really, I love that advice and that reminder that your value is not your salary. Although uh, we are uh, super human women, that uh, we, we, we have more value, I think, than has been recognized from a monetary point of view. So it is our right to negotiate and advocate for ourselves, as you're saying. And education, I, I do think, is is the biggest piece. And then that second biggest piece is sharing that with people that you trust, uh, men and women alike, right? Because we want to get a full picture uh, for the situation that we're in. And women don't speak about finances, money, salary in nearly the same way or frequency that men do. So that's something that I know that I personally always do. And, you know, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I think that you need to have those conversations so that you get more and more comfortable. I feel like we could continue to talk about a million different things. Um, And I would actually love to have you back on the show and maybe even, I don't know, I I just had some uh, ideas about maybe teaching some negotiation to some of the women in the She Leads community. I think entrepreneurs could benefit from all of this advice in very much the same way as women who are, you know, looking to enhance their salary or their benefits. So what I would love for the both of you to do is just to share how can people connect with you, get involved with you and and work together with you. Yeah, absolutely. You can start. uh, We're on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at thethoughtful.co or on LinkedIn at The Thoughtful Co. And you can also find our website as well at thethoughtfulco.net. That's lots of thoughtful co's and dots. <laughs> and we also have a mailing list as well. We share a bi-weekly blog and write articles on a wide range of topics from policy to uh, negotiations. Your last comment there also just reminded me of, a com- of an article that Jill wrote recently on charging what you deserve, which I think would be helpful for the entrepreneurial community as well, because that is so related to negotiating is defining what that appropriate value is to charge. And we do have a habit of undermining our own value and we should absolutely not be compromising in that space either. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I'll definitely include a link to that blog article in the show notes, along with how to uh, reach out to you, follow you, get in touch with you. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on the Sugar Coated podcast today. I know that the whole audience, including myself, has really gotten a lot of value out of this conversation. What I'm taking away from it is really to you know have open conversation, educate yourself, and be confident. I think that those are kind of the key elements of of success in anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. I love the questions today. That was great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much. And uh, we will talk soon. Great. Thank you. The She Leads Podcast Network.